The following podcast was recorded on Wednesday morning before CU Boulder's campus announced classes would be all online beginning on Monday until the end of the semester due to the coronavirus. CU later released its spring practice schedule on Wednesday. As of now, spring practices are still set to begin next Monday. Again, as of now, the spring game on April 25th is still scheduled to be open to the public and media. Carl Durrell was hoping to have more open practices to the public and media, according to CU Sports Information Department. He's just simply following the recommendations by the school for the health and safety of their student-athletes. Media will not be allowed to conduct in-person interviews throughout spring ball, although we are expected to have a teleconference with Durrell and selected coaches and players following each practice. Obviously, this is a fluid situation. Stay tuned to BuffStampede.com and BuffZone.com for the latest updates on CU's situation regarding spring practices. Here's what we all wish we could focus on right now, and that's sports, our breakdown of CU's roster going into spring practices. Adam Munster-Tiger, the publisher of BuffStampede.com. I'm Brian Howell from uh, BuffZone.com. Collaboration effort on the podcast here. A lot of people have liked our last collaboration on a podcast as well as our analysis videos and spring ball around the corner. So I figured it would be a good time to kind of touch base. Yeah, I don't know why they like us so much, but they do. So um, it is good to touch base with you. We haven't uh, seen each other a ton since uh, the Utah game back in November. So yeah. it's good to do this. Well, we saw each other at Carl Durrell's intro press conference. Yep. And since then, he's rounded out his coaching staff, at least in terms of the full-time assistant coaches. What were your general thoughts on the staff that he put together? You know me. I always try to be a little optimistic. And I, I generally think that this is a pretty good staff. I thought that the, the O-line coach hire of uh, Mitch Rodriguez was a little out of left field because I couldn't find any real connections uh, to Durrell or anybody on the staff. Uh, but he's got a ton of experience, and so you know, give him the benefit of the doubt. But I thought overall I think it's a pretty good hire. I think that it's, it was, was going to be tough to find a O-line coach as good as Chris Kapilovic. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, Ross Ells is a big loss uh, for the inside linebacker crew. But all in all, I think the staff is pretty good. Especially given the timing of it, right? Yeah. That, that's the part. Had they put together a staff in you know, early December, I would have still thought this is a good staff. So given the fact that it was at an unideal time makes me even more impressed with what they were able to put together. In terms of Coach Rod, you know, it's funny. The, sometimes the least exciting hire ends up being the best and right. vice versa. Mm-hmm seen it so many times the last two years here yeah exactly and so i've said this on another podcast it makes for boring discussion to say we'll see but you really have to wait and see what these guys do brian michalowski when he comes in everyone's going why in the world is is he getting this job and he is one of the top recruiters in the pac-12 this last year sometimes it's a guy that has a lot to prove that that sometimes puts that extra work in yeah, and, and if you remember with uh, Michael Aske, he was first brought in as a quality control coach, and then as Tucker was not finding uh, his outside linebacker coach, he went ahead and promoted uh, Michael Aske a month into the job. And so it was almost like, oh, geez, it's a fallback plan to this young guy that doesn't have any experience. And um, his players loved him. Um, coach Tucker, you know, at the end of the season when I met with him, he praised uh, Michael Aske almost more than anybody, saying that, that the work that he did with that group was really instrumental and really um, I talked to Jason Harris uh, you know the the recruit from Arizona last week I think it was and he said the fact that Michael Oski's staying is a reason why he's staying with Colorado or a big yeah, reason for yeah. it so um, he's done well on the recruiting trail and 
you know, he's done well with it with developing this group. And two years ago, Quan Drake was the same way. You know, people didn't know much about him, but he was maybe their assistant coach of the year in 2018. And uh, people were sad to uh, see him go last year. So, you know, I think Coach Rod, he's got a ton of experience that's just been concentrated pretty much in Louisiana for much of his career. Yeah. Special teams, you mentioned losing Ross Ells is a big deal. That's maybe the one question mark I have going forward. Uh, Carl Durrell is going to split, the, split those responsibilities up, which is not always the worst idea because even when they had Toby Nidus here as a mm-hmm. focused on special teams, when you're out there doing special teams work, you can't be coaching kickoff coverage, kickoff return. You know, you can't be c- dealing with the returners. You have to have help anyway in that regard. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that is a question mark because Ross Ells was so good in that re- regard. Yeah, he was. And it'll be interesting to see you know, how they split that up, You know, who gets kind of what duties. They did hire uh, uh, Chris Reinert as a, special, as a quality control um, over special teams, and he's got experience. He did that at UCLA. He was most recently a receivers coach with uh, Rick Neuheisel um, in the AAF. So he's got some experience, a young guy, but they'll have a quality control person kind of overseeing all that. But, yeah, I think it's an interesting way to do it. Darrell told me he likes doing that because he likes the staff to be involved in different areas of special teams. So uh, we'll see how that works out. I like the balance, too, on the staff. You've got some guys like Coach Meat, as he's yeah. called, uh, on, the, <laughs> on the secondary there, is a known recruiter. Chev obviously is well regarded in that sense. Mike Lowski's had good track record there. Even Chris Wilson has done well as a recruiter in the past. Yeah. Uh, but then you kind of mix in some of that NFL uh, lineage in there as well. Yeah, it's it's an interesting mix. I actually had a fan uh, email me and say, you know, he's he likes this staff. It's so much better than what Embry did hiring just NFL guys. And I went back and looked, and I said, well, actually, Embry hired. There was nine assistants back then. Embry hired six guys from college, two from the NFL, one from a high school program. And Darrell has hired six from college, three from the NFL, and one from a high school program, if you count um, Coach Rod, who directly comes from high school. So it's really kind of the same makeup in that uh, there's there's a a mix of NFL guys, but a lot of college experience. But um, it will be interesting, some of these guys, and Darrell's one of them, that spent much of the last decade or so in the NFL, how they uh, really adapt to recruiting in this day and age. Yeah, you're making some Colorado fans concerned out there, but (laughs) in this case, you don't don't have a first-time head coach and then first-time coordinator. It's very different. Their their resumes are different. I'm just saying on that surface, it was just kind of my response to this fan saying, Embry hired all NFL guys, and well, not really. It was mostly college guys, but yeah. I don't mean to cause panic there. Um, I think this is a this is a better staff than what Embry assembled. Spring ball is set to begin on Monday. Every day there seems to be, be new developments with the coronavirus. Yeah. I'm not an expert on that. I don't know what's going to happen here in the coming weeks, but hopefully it doesn't affect it because a lot of other schools have already started their spring ball. It's already tough enough dealing with another coaching change after 14 months. You really need these 15 practices for – these players and coaches to get to know each other and for that evaluation mm-hmm. process to start. Yeah, you know, I talked to you know Coach Chev last week, and he made a good point. Um, he said really uh, for offensive, he was talking offensively, but I think it probably applies across the team. Um, he said this spring is really big for our new coaches that don't know our staff. I know the – this is him talking. He says I know the personnel pretty well, but, you know, Langsdorf doesn't know these guys. Uh, Coach Rod doesn't know these guys. Um, he wants these 15 practices to be the new coaches really learning what CU has 
And then after spring, they can really kind of develop their plan at that point. So there's not going to be a whole lot of scheme. But if you lose that or you know, lose some element of it, that's going to really impact what you can get done this summer. To preview spring ball, I think maybe we should just go position by position and kind of share a few thoughts yeah. on, on each group. you got to start with quarterback, two scholarship quarterbacks on the roster, junior Tyler Lytle and true freshman Brendan Lewis. It's scary depth-wise, but everything I've heard about those two guys this offseason has made me feel pretty optimistic that the quarterback play, especially given Montez's inconsistency, is not necessarily going to take a step down. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's just going to be interesting to see who wins that job because I think your depth could take an even uh, bigger hit if Brendan Lewis is your starter. Uh, you know, and not not that I have any inside knowledge on this, but you know, you look at you know Tyler Lytle. This, he's coming into his fourth year. If he doesn't get this job, he graduates in May. Could he potentially move on and uh, you know, decide to go play somewhere as a grad transfer? I think that's a very real possibility. So, um, well, you're probably not going to name a starter after spring ball, though, right? No, but I mean, I think that those guys will know the writing on. I mean, Tyler could know the writing on the wall if it's not going to be him. You know, if they really like Brendan. So, uh, I think depth wise, it is scary. Uh, but I do like uh, what we've seen out of both those guys. I mean, everything I've heard about Tyler had a chance to talk with him. I talked with his uh, his private QB coach or one of them, uh, out in California, and uh, just raved about him. Said, Tyler's done everything that you could possibly do to get ready for this uh, situation. Uh, when I chatted with Tyler, that's a man now. <laughs> you know, we've, we've kind of seen him. Uh, he's always been uh, a fairly mature kid, uh, but you look at him physically, that's a man now. And, you know, he is, he's ready for this. But then you look at what Brandon Lewis is doing in the weight room, and you're like, wow, okay. Yeah. This kid's coming to compete here, and this is uh, – a. You saw the ability on film, but when you see what he's doing in the weight room and the work he's putting in there as a true freshman, that's pretty impressive. Given Langsdorf's history and who he's coached, you have to think Tyler Lytle was pretty excited when he found out he was going to be the quarterback's coach, especially given that he's developed really good pro-style quarterbacks in the past. Yeah, I believe it's the three quarterbacks from Oregon State he sent to the NFL and, and all pro style type quarterbacks one of them being matt moore who was uh, with the chiefs this last year uh, sean Mannion, you know broke the pac-12 all-time passing record with langsdorf as his coach so uh yeah i think langsdorf has a history of working with pro style quarterbacks eli manning in the nfl one year i think that tyler's got to be excited about that but it's also you know a chev offense uh you know Durrell influence so are they going to want that more dual threat and you know it's not like uh brendan lewis can't throw the ball either Carl Drell has mentioned they might be in the market for a grad transfer quarterback. Yeah. What an interesting dynamic, though, because that grad transfer quarterback is going to want to play. And if you like what you've seen from Lytle and Brennan Lewis this spring, you don't want to spook either of them. And at the same time, you need depth because you really want to have, the at the minimum, three scholarship quarterbacks or capable right. quarterbacks. I don't know – if any of the walk-on, the two walk-on quarterbacks they have could possibly be an emergency option there, uh, but it's a tough, tough call I think to make. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know if you've looked at this, but are there JUCO transfers that, that could be available that come in that maybe don't have that expectation of a grad transfer, but they're a talented kid, uh, you know, like a. This is no slide on him. He was a nice kid, but somebody you hope is better than like a Jordan Gerke that came in that didn't really uh, do a whole lot when he was here. But he was a JUCO transfer several years ago. Um, you know, but is there somebody like that that can come in and provide depth? I don't know. Um, it's going to be an interesting situation to see how that plays out because um, you know Blake Stenstrom. I think 
probably wasn't going to be the guy here, but you'd like to have him here for that. Exactly. No question about that. Moving along to running back. That was the most hotly contested position battle going into the season. Alex Fontenot did well, but there's definitely room for improvement with his game. I mean, there was still, mm-hmm. I believe it was six running, starting running backs in the Pac-12 that had a better yards per carry average. He did, wasn't quite that home run threat we thought he might be able to be. Yeah, I, I really thought, especially the way he came out that first game last year against CSU, and uh, you know, 100-yard game, I think it was three touchdowns, huge first game. And he had a couple big games throughout the year, but there were – weeks and weeks that the, that no running back scored a touchdown uh and we just didn't see any long runs in fact i think alex's longest run of the season came against csu and it was less than 30 yards so we didn't see that from any of those running backs we want to see that out of them you know even philip Lindsay, who was not viewed as a, a speedster now he kind of proved himself afterwards but um even he had the home run ability every now and then we haven't seen that from alex he can get better um it was just his first year so i expect him to get better uh, i did like what i saw out of him that first year uh, but he does need to get better and fondo had a year and a half head start on jaron mangum last year just in terms yeah. of familiarity of running the ball at this level and mangum was was pretty close to Fontenot. I think he was low fours in terms of yards per carry, whereas Fontenot was about 4.7. So there wasn't a whole lot separating those guys. And Mangum has a little bit more of that physicality to his game, I think. He does. And you know, I don't know if he was in the doghouse at the end or not because he didn't play on offense that last game. And um, you know, we kind of got the answer from Tucker that you know, well, that's just kind of how the game went. Well, it was weird that that was the first game all year that you know, he was not really a part of of the offense we thought he was injured but he played special teams so maybe a new coaching staff uh, helps him out of course it's the same running back coach uh mangum you want to see him uh take that next step he does provide that power but uh i think he learned a lot i talked to him after the season and he said he learned a lot about playing running back in college how it's not just you know in high school you just get the ball and run he goes and you just go score and it's not that easy here so i think he'll learn a lot as well i like that one-two punch but that's not all they have so I think this is a pretty talented group. In the real wild card here is Deion Smith. You really can't forget him because Fondo has has a good burst, but Smith might be the most explosive running back on the roster this spring. In fact, I think he is. Yeah, and you know we didn't see him very much last year, but I liked what I saw in the limited reps he got. Um, I think he could be a factor for sure. Um, you know, I think he's got some shiftiness to him and some explosiveness to him. So that's a pretty good third back. And he's put up some good numbers in the weight room this winter as yeah. well. Ashad Clayton comes in. You just don't see blue chip running backs hanging out on the sideline very long. So, I, again, I think this could be a, one of those competitions that they're not going to say anything until the season opener, and then we'll see the first guy that's out there. Yeah, I, I think Clayton is a is kind of a wild card as well. Obviously, he's not here at spring ball, but um, you know when he gets here in the fall, how does that impact the playing time for Fontenot and for Mangum and and even Dion Smith? Uh, you know, I think. Buff fans would love to see Clayton come in and, and be what we think he's going to be. And if he is, then, hey, this running back group is really good then. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see because you're right. You don't see those guys usually hanging out on the sidelines. And, you know, the last time – is Daryl Scott the last kind of blue-chip running back CU had? Yeah. And so, you know, you said Daryl Scott got beat out by Rodney Stewart. He didn't hang around. Now, there were other factors going on with Daryl Scott. I know that. But you know, he didn't hang around uh, in a backup role or a, a, second, a number two role. Uh, he didn't stick around for that. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they handle Clayton. Joe Davis put out a tweet, I think, yesterday talking about how I, I've always been underrated. And, again, he's at the tail end of our discussion here at the running backs. He was 
a participant on special teams last year. He's definitely got a role on this team. Yeah. And he's a smart runner. Just and I could see him getting carries at some point in his career. I just he doesn't scream lead back to me. Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, one thing Hagen told me last year was he was surprised at how um, good he was at just about everything that he would pick and picking things up pretty quickly. That bodes well for him. But I agree with you. I think he's more of a you know maybe a Kyle Evans type. You know uh, that might be his ceiling as some guy that um, you know gets a few carries here and there that can you know be productive at times. I just don't see him as a lead back. Jarek Broussard coming back from that ACL. I, I, I'd imagine he'll be limited this spring. He could be a guy if they do some of the air raid concepts as a kind of a slot back. That again, I, I'm not projecting him to have a big role on this team, but I could see him. If you're going to have more spread concepts, having a little bit more of a role on the team. Yeah, um, he's he'll be an interesting one. He's I think he's the odd man out in that backfield, but because of his versatility, does he get on the field a little bit? That's going to be difficult um, for him because you know in the slot you've already got Dimitri Stanley, Katie Nixon can play there. KD's got that versatility as well, and you know, I, both I think KD and and Broussard are maybe a little bit similar, and they've got that running back slot versatility. But I think you know KD's clearly ahead of him in that regard. So I'm just I don't know how much of a role we see out of uh, Jared Broussard this year. But if he gets healthy and you don't want to have Nixon exposed on special teams, he could be a kickoff returner. I think he was on the depth chart, wasn't he, before he got hurt last year? Yeah, in that role? I believe he was. And um, he, I'd love to see him uh, get on the field. You know, There's certainly some talent there. Um, it'd be nice to see him uh, you know, get a role somewhere. But maybe he is that, that special teams guy because you're right. I mean, if, if KD is a big part of the offense, you probably don't want him returning kicks. Moving over to receiver, credit to Chev, you lose LaVisca Chenault and Tony Brown, and yet no one's really concerned about that position. Yeah, isn't that crazy? The, uh, a couple years in a row now, or a couple times in the last few years, you lose a whole bunch of production and talent at receiver, and, and you don't really feel that bad about it. Um, certainly, they're going to miss LaVisca. Tony Brown was a great player last year, but but man, you know, I'm excited about KD Nixon. I know he's been a little bit disappointing. Um, you know, last year was a disappointing year for him. I think there were some different reasons for that, but I, I expect him to have a big year. Um, when I talked to Chev recently, I asked him about Daniel Arias, and I said, "Man, looking at the, at the pictures from the weight room, he's he looks different now." And and Chev said he's going to have a breakout year. He goes, "He's going to have a huge year. Uh, he's about to he's about to bust out." So I'm excited about Arias. I've been excited about Arias for a long time. Um, I was surprised he didn't have more of a role last year really almost had no role last year i was surprised by that and and then vante chenault um how can you not be excited about him being a chenault but then also all the things we hear about him i'm sure you've heard the same stuff about uh you know chev's told me vante is a better receiver than lavisca not a better athlete but a better you know wide receiver than Mm -hmm. lavisca so um if he's that good and then there's maurice bell who you know flashed a little bit as well so there's a ton of talent Dimitri Stanley did some good things last year, and this is yet another year of maturity coming from him. Kind of like Deion Smith as the wild card in the running back room. I think Jalen Jackson is the wild card here. He, yeah. you know, he actually made a couple big plays last year. One in the two of them in the Nebraska game, and he's finally, for the first time since he was a sophomore in high school, actually been healthy for an extended period of time. 
Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned him because uh, I forgot about him. Uh, but he's, he's a wild card, and he's so much fun uh, to watch when he is healthy, which we haven't seen a whole lot of. But, yeah, he, he has the ability to make some big plays. Uh, you know, last year, four catches, 77 yards, almost 20 yards per catch. Uh, that's pretty good. So, uh, you know, for Jalen Jackson, I don't see him having 50 catches or anything like that. But if you can get him the ball 15 times, that's going to be a productive 15 uh, catches. Yeah. This is a spring ball preview, so we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. But then you have four really talented guys Mm -hmm. set to join that room. Brennan Rice, who was one of the top guys in the Under Armour All-American game. Chris Carpenter, you turn on his film, and it's like he just screams home run threat. Montana Lamonius Craig averaged, what was it, almost 30 yards per catch his senior year. And then Keith Miller, who he's got a Pac-12 ready frame right now. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because we've – seen in the last few years a lot of these uh you know freshmen come in that people get excited about and they all kind of hang out and wait that that first year because there's so much talent um i don't know how much we're going to see any of those guys because of arius and vante and katie and maurice bell and jalen jackson and dimitri all those guys i'm not sure how much we're going to see any of the freshmen but i'm excited about them tight ends got to be the most concerning position you know on, on offense just in terms of depth because Brady Russell is proven there, but Jared Poblowski goes back in for another surgery. You feel horrible for him. He's yeah. just had a really rough go at it here at CU. Luke Stillwell, he looks good in the weight room, but he's a converted quarterback. He's still new to tight end. Those are your only other scholarship guys at that position this spring. And maybe we don't see the tight end used as much as we did under Jay Johnson. And it kind of goes back to when Chev was calling plays in 2018 and they weren't really that involved. I don't know, but you got, you got to get Brady Russell on the field. That's for sure. Yeah. I, and I will say, you know, when I talked to Chev the other day, I asked him about the tight end. Um, I said, you know, how do you see them you know, being used? He goes, they're going to be a heavy part of our offense. So I don't know if that means they're going to be blocking, <laughs> but in my opinion, Brady Russell is one of the best tight ends in the Pac-12 now. I think he's developed into that. I think you want to utilize that weapon. Um, I think Chev recognizes that. And I think that, I just see that's where maybe the Darrell influence comes in, and Darrell says, hey, we need that tight end part of it. Um, I think I don't know about the others, but Brady Russell, I think, needs to be involved in this offense. I think that's a guy that could have you know, a 30-catch season as a tight end. And I like him, but you're right. After him, it's, boy, that depth, you just don't know what you have. Caleb Fourier comes in this summer. He's coming back from a broken leg right now. But you put on his high school film, and he is a guy that, he just screams future starter because yeah. they can split him out. He can create mismatches in the passing game. And, man, he is – even when he was a little undersized as a junior, he was still getting his hands dirty and really physical as a blocker. And then Lewis Passarello comes in as more, I think, probably an inline type tight end. Yeah, so I, I think you're excited about the, you know, the freshman coming in, certainly for depth. I mean, you need that depth um, at that position. And that would give them, what, five – yeah, so I can give them five scholarship tight ends. Uh, so you like that? It's just there's so much inexperience there, um, you know. After Brady Russell, but I do like the potential. And uh, Poplowski, you know, unfortunately, I'm not sure if we're going to see him this year. Um, just you know, come off of a torn ACL. Uh, that's the second one I believe since being here. So that's a tough one for him. I hope he gets back, but um, I've, I've been wanting to see him, you know, since he got here. But uh, I don't, I'm not sure we're going to see him this year. Do we know is Le- Legend Brumbaugh still around? I think he is. Um, he was on at least a special teams guy. I don't know how he would factor in as a depth piece at tight end. Yeah, and I don't know if he – he obviously followed his father from Maryland to here, but does he leave again? I, I don't know if he does that. Um, I think he's 
far enough into his career that maybe he just finishes things here. Um, but he certainly got the frame for it. I don't know how, how ready he is to really contribute, but um, I think that if he's there, you like that depth he's an experienced guy. On the offensive line, we talked a little bit about Coach Rod taking over that unit. What Coach Cap did with that group in 14 months was as impressive as anything we saw from the Mel Tucker staff, in my opinion. He told me when he was exiting that he, this group has a chance to be great. Uh, we'll see if they make that next step. Even if they're like they were last year and just cut out the false starts, Yeah, I think that's a pretty decent Pac-12 group. Yeah, there were so many false starts last year. <laughs> I think every lineman you know, false started several times. But um, you know, I, I think I think Tim Lanott is a loss at center. Uh, you know, I think the Arlington Hambright is a loss uh, certainly at left tackle. But when I look at this group, I, I see Will Sherman shifting back over to left tackle, where he played pretty well as a freshman, you know, two years ago, and a much more advanced player now. I expect him to be a pretty solid left tackle. I think Colby Purcell can get back into that center role and uh, and be just fine there um, now that he's healthy and you hope he can stay healthy throughout the season. Um, there's a lot of guys on this line that I like. I think that uh, Frank Phillip has got potential at tackle and uh, Austin Johnson at guard. I, I think there's so many guys that uh, I'm excited about. They haven't proven a whole lot, but uh, you know, Kari Kutch, you know, was kind He's of a probably the was the quietly the the most solid player that no one talked about last year. Yeah, and you really just kind of held down that left guard spot. And he's making some noise in the weight room this offseason. So um, is that a guy that gets better and really solidifies left guard? Um, hopefully that's the case. But I like this group. I think that Coach Cap set things up pretty well for Coach Rod. Colby Purcell, it sounds like he's going to miss quite a bit of spring ball. Yeah. And as a result of that, Austin Johnson here has been, and, and Josh Shines, I think, is out too for a little bit of time. So you've had, uh, with some of these walkthroughs they do, Austin Johnson running first-team center. And uh, the, the newcomer that, that's on campus now, Carson Lee, running actually second string. So it would be good for those two guys to get a bulk of reps because Purcell could benefit from being out there during spring ball, especially if he's transitioning back to center. But uh, th- those younger guys will get a lot of reps. Yeah, and uh, certainly for both of them, I think we're excited about them. I'm a fan, I'm saying fans are excited about them. Uh, those are two guys, in-state recruits. People have wanted CU to recruit in-state. These have uh, been two pretty good uh, in-state linemen in the last two years. I like the work they've done, so I'm, I'm excited to see what they can do in the future. But this is a big spring for both of them, uh, especially for Austin being his second spring. Can he make a, make a move here and push for the starting lineup? My wild card in this group is Cannon Ray, a mm-hmm. high school All-American that dealt with injuries to his upper body, lower body, finally got healthy last year, was finally able to log some time in the weight room, got a little bit of experience on game day, not a whole lot, but just enough to have a little bit of a sense of what it's like out there now. He could be a guy that is kind of a sleeper pick here, and, and I think he could probably play inside or outside, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I think that's a good wild card pick. I mean, he's he's a guy that – you know, was you know he was at UCLA. Um, he's one. He's had an interesting story. He hasn't played for five head coaches, but he's been his college career has been impacted by five head coaches. When you think about, it, he was recruited by Jim Mora, and then Chip Kelly comes in. You know, it doesn't work out there, so he moves on. Now this is his third head coach here at Jeez. CU. So, uh, you, you know, he's had an interesting career so far. Uh, obviously, then with the injuries, but I've I've liked his potential. I think he's a guy that could get in the mix there. Um, another one we haven't talked about is Casey Roddick, right? Uh, that you know got some starting time last year, 
I think that he struggled a little bit last year in that role. But does that experience help him and, and kind of push him along? Because I like his potential as well. He's a big body uh, that can get in there at guard. So, um, you know, I think Roddick, even though we've seen him, I might put him as my wild card in that position uh, just because if he can really improve, I think that helps solidify the inside of the line. I talked about how impressive it was that what Coach Cap did with that old line in his 14 mm-hmm. months. Right up there, moving over to defense is what – Mel Tucker and Jimmy Brumbaugh did with that defensive line and really cultivating depth. It was a major, massive concern. And now you look at it, you return all three starters. Mustafa Johnson was not healthy, so that's why he didn't play at an all-conference level. But Terrence Lang made a jump. Jalen Sammy, for a guy that hadn't played football in a couple of years, did about as well as you could have expected in that nose tackle role. And you got a lot of depth that, that kind of showed itself last year. And then a couple guys that redshirted that are in the mix now, and, and we'll get into Alfano later. But all of a sudden, you know, Mel Tucker said they wanted to have an eight to ten man rotation there. If they stay healthy with some of these guys, that actually might be a realistic goal in in twenty twenty. Yeah, no question. Uh, you know, Tucker and the staff were here a very short time, and I think they made a great impact at that position, maybe more than any other position in, in building that depth. But I do want to give some credit to Mike McIntyre and his staff because those three guys that were projecting as the starters that. You know that that starting group that I think we're excited about. Those were all recruited by McIntyre, and we criticized him. I think that was one of his downfalls was not recruiting well at that position, uh, that position group. But they did a better job towards the end. Um, you know, him and Coach Elliott did a great job. Uh, you know, getting Terrence Lang, getting Jalen Sammy, getting Mustafa Johnson. So if that's your three starting group, you know, that's a pretty good group. I think we're excited about that. Uh, and they were all uh, McIntyre guys at the end. So give credit to McIntyre, that staff, for at least starting it. And then uh, Tucker and his staff for building this depth. But uh, I think overall, that's the strength of the defense. My wild card here is a walk-on. Dante Sparacco came in as an outside linebacker. And from the time he was a sophomore as a quarterback in high school, I just kept looking at him and his frame and going, that guy's got to be a defensive lineman. And he came back here after leaving for, what was it, about six months to go play at Montana State. And finally put his hand in the ground and kept racking up defensive scout team awards. Uh, I, I don't think he's necessarily going to challenge for a starting job this year, but yeah. I, I would be surprised if he's not in the rotation. Yeah, you know, he's an interesting one because I don't know what you do with him because he's obviously progressed. Um, he's one that actually, when we were talking about tight ends, you know, he's kind of run through my mind this offseason is, you know, is he sort of a potential Nick Casa candidate to where, you know, at some point if he's not going to get into that much rotation at defensive line, I mean, he played tight end in the past. I see a potential uh, guy there. But um, I think, to your point, I think Dante has kind of reinvented himself a little bit as a defensive player. I think he's better equipped here than he was when he came in as an outside linebacker. And uh, he made a big impact on the scout team last year. So does he take that jump now that he's eligible? And he hasn't had to get a change of address for him for a while. That's, that's <laughs> had to have helped him out a little bit, yeah, just having continuity in the system. No question. I, I know, you know, you know you and I have talked about that um, you know, there, there's some red flags when, when, when guys move different high schools a lot, and there's a guy we're going to talk about here in a minute, Antonio Alfano, the same way. But I think that for Dante, it's a big deal now that he's finally here. This is the first time in a long time he's been at the same place uh, two years in a row. Um, I think that's big for him just to settle in a little bit. And it, it's a new coaching staff, but it's the same place for him. Maybe that helps him settle in and become an impact player because – 
I was excited about him coming in, uh, you know, his freshman year. I thought he had the potential to be a pretty uh, good player on this defense. I still think that's possible. He's got a couple years left to do that. Is this the year he does it? Austin Williams, given that he was an offensive lineman in high school, mm-hmm. did pretty well in limited role as a backup nose tackle. Neem Rodman heard the coaching staff rave about him from pretty much moment one, and uh, he's gained that experience. Uh, Janaz Jordan, Jeremiah Doss were in the rotation. You bring in Justin Jackson as a transfer from the JUCO ranks. And Brumba actually told me at one point last fall, I said, which guy's made the biggest jump this fall? And he, I, I don't know how he pointed this out because he was on scout team a lot, but he said Lloyd Murray Jr. had made a big jump. Jaden Simon, Richard, so you just got a lot of guys. Jordan Berry's coming in this summer. It's just such a change that has happened there with that D-line group being so deep. Are there any guys in that group that – you're particularly excited to watch this spring or going forward? Yeah, I think you know you mentioned uh, Rodman. I think he's a guy that um, got some experience last year that, that I'm excited about. I think that um, he's that number f- – he might be that number four. I mean, he's, he's certainly a backup right now. Um, but I'm trying to look up his stats. Uh, 314 snaps last year, pretty good amount for a true freshman. Um, he's another guy that I talked to in January, I think it was, that he talked about how much – sort of like Jaron Mangum with running back – Robin talked about how much he learned just going against these guys. He could no longer just out-muscle people. He had to learn technique, and he feels like he did that. So um, he's a guy that I'm looking forward to seeing what or how he applies what he learned into um, creating better technique for himself. So he's a guy. I, I like his potential. We were talking over the phone about Antonio Alfano about a week ago. We yeah. both heard some things about him. So not surprising when he, uh, Monday it was announced that he's suspended indefinitely. This maybe sounds rough, but I think the chances of him being on last chance, you are as good as they are of him playing at CU right now. And yeah. hopefully he proves me wrong because he's got all the talent in the world. But if you're Carl Durrell coming in, you can't let somebody not show up to things right. and let that slide. You've got to set a precedent within your program that you're going to be as involved as everybody else or you're not going to be part of this thing. Yeah, and I, I had a, a fan ask me if uh, there were ever any issues before Tucker left, and I didn't hear of any. And, you know, this is me speculating. I have no idea. But would Tucker have let more things slide because this is a five-star kid coming in that can really impact than Darrell? I don't know. Um, Tucker told a, a booster that told me maybe this is a game of telephone that he was one of the most challenging players he had ever dealt with, and they hadn't even gone through a practice with him yet. Hmm. So – that's a red flag, you know. And yeah. we, you know, we talked about Sparaco went to a, you know a couple of different high schools. So did Antonio Alfano. He hasn't even played it. I don't think he's played a game yet in college. You know, obviously, he did the spring game last year, but I don't think he's played a game yet. And he's already left one college, and he's now suspended at a second one. So um, certainly, it's it's a rough start for his <laughs> college career. Uh, it, it's a shame because there's so much talent there. I had a chance to talk to him in December. Really engaging. Guy. He's got a personality. There's He's got no a question good personality, about that. and you know, I thought he was. He talked about how motivated he was uh, from his grandmother dying. There was that was a, obviously a big thing with him leaving uh, uh, Alabama was that you know his grandmother's illness. Well, she passed away um, around Thanksgiving last year, and he he talked about how motivated he was because of that and wanting to get to the NFL and, and you know be there for her. You know, um, but he's not really making the moves that, that show he's that motivated. The guy he reminds me of from that sense is Marcus Seamus, who was yeah. a great personality. You loved interviewing him. He would always say the right things. And then two days later, you hear about something that happened with him off, off, off the field. 
And so hopefully, again, Alfano, I mean, I don't know how many chances he gets. He's going to get more because he's so talented. Yeah. But if you're a Colorado fan, I think if you're, project, you're looking towards the future, anything you get out of him is icing on the cake because I, I just wouldn't expect anything out of it. Well, and the other factor, too, is you know we obviously didn't even know if everything went well, we don't even know if he's going to play this year because he still has to put in that waiver to the NCAA and, uh, and get that accepted. Probably he, doesn't help that he's suspended right I, now. I was just going to say, even if Darrell says, if he does everything he needs to for Darrell and he stays on the team, does that impact whether the NCAA gives him the waiver or not? So um, I don't know if we see him this year either way. So um, that's why the whole time I've, I've talked to them about, that, about this defensive line, I don't mention him a whole lot because I don't even know if he's going to play, and especially now. I don't know if we're ever going to see him in a Colorado uniform. I don't know if we're going to see him this year. Moving over to outside linebacker, Carson Wells is the main guy to mention here. We expected him to build off – late during the 2018 season when he was a redshirt freshman, becoming one of the best playmakers on defense. And he had a few plays late last season, but just never really showed that explosiveness. And then you know, find out that he was dealing with plantar fasciitis last season. And that makes a lot of sense because uh, the coaching staff was talking highly of him. I think, didn't Tucker say he's the most underrated guy on the team during camp last year? Yeah, and he, and he was a guy that I think we were excited about last year. Um, as a freshman a couple of years ago, he made a pretty big impact in a, in a limited role. Um, I thought he was going to have a bigger year last year, and so it does make sense when you hear that he was dealing with that injury, uh, that he didn't have quite the year we thought. Um, I think there's great potential there. I think he's got a chance to be a very destructive player on this defense if he's healthy. Guy Thomas has been putting up big numbers in the weight room, a guy that has a little bit of experience playing at Power Five level, uh, is it, would he be your your second guy there? Just looking at the guys that are on the roster this spring, I think so. Um, especially with his experience, you know, he's a guy that's done it. Um, you know, I think that he's he's definitely in the running for that second guy. I think Jamar Montgomery is another one that um, you know, Coach Mike last year during the season told me there was a lot of improvement from from day one you know, to the end of the season last year in Jamar, uh, where and Tucker even talked about it last year where. Uh, Jamar was just one of those guys that needed to learn a lot of things at the start of the year and worked his way into getting some playing time late in the year. So if, if he continues that progression, I think he's the guy that can factor in as well. Is Josh Allen still with that group, or is he inside now? When I Around signing day, I ran into Coach Mike, and he did mention Josh uh, still being outside linebacker. So okay. um, I think he's He might still be the wild there. card there yeah. then because – he showed some flashes. Uh, he's a physical guy, got a lot of speed. I think it was more the mental side of things that, that kept him from having a bigger role last year. Yeah, and I, I think he's one that uh, can get in the mix as well. I mean, there's certainly a lot of, of ability there. Jason Harris, as you mentioned earlier, ex- yeah. ex- still expected to, to be a buff. Devin Grant coming in and Alvin Williams as well. Uh, actually, Alvin Williams is an early enrollee, so we'll, we'll get a chance to see him this spring. Harris, you've got to have high expectations for him. But I don't know, with that, that frame, he might need a year in the weight room to really reach his potential at this level. But he's got a skill set, as Coach Mike has said, that they didn't have on this roster. That's why he was targeted and recruited so, so hard by the staff. Yeah, and, you know, I, I agree about his frame, but at the same point, um, isn't he bigger even now than um, – Oh my gosh, I'm Jimmy just, Gilbert? Yes. <laughs> but I thought Jimmy Gilbert should have redshirted, I guess, is if you have some other guys like a Wells. Right, but I mean he isn't I mean Gilbert was still pretty slight 
in his senior year. I mean, he was not a big guy. I mean, isn't Harris sort of built like Gilbert was? He'll be even? bigger than Gilbert was as a senior by the time he's done here for sure. Yeah, and so I agree that Harris could probably benefit from that, but I don't know if that prevents him from being – because there's not a destructive guy – you know, I mean, we're talking about Carson Wells as maybe being the top guy there. And, uh, you know, he's been good, but not great. So because there's nobody that's been great there, I think Harris can come in and make an impact. You'd like him to redshirt, but I'm not sure they have that luxury. With Tyson Summers being retained and them sticking with him, uh, and I would imagine the scheme will look fairly similar, uh, yeah. you know, because it did well at the end of last year. There were times they had three outside backers on the field in some of those obvious past situations last year. Yeah, I'm interested to see how how the scheme changes if it does. Uh, you know, because of the things they did, there was so much Tucker influence on that defense. Um, does Summers want to get away from that and do more of his thing? I don't know, but yeah, there were three outside linebackers at times. You saw uh, Numo to follow on the field quite a bit. Davion Taylor in that role. Uh, so, do they do that same thing here? If there are, who are the three guys on the field? You know, is it Wells and you know Guy Thomas and Jason Harris? I don't know. Continuing along those lines in terms of the continuity with Tyson Summers coming back, I think that's really going to benefit Nate Lamon. I wrote that it seemed like he was a step slow and people were starting to say that Nate Lamon isn't the player that he used to be. Yeah. I think a lot of it was he was having to you know, direct traffic around him so much, and then once yeah. other guys around him started to get the scheme down towards the end of the year, then you saw Nate Lamon being the guy we all expected him to be. And you know, he made some big plays – Late in the season, yeah, and you know, for him, you're right. I mean, there was, you know, John Van Deest. I think was probably the other guy that knew that defense pretty well. Uh, but he dealt with some injury stuff, and uh, you know, was not the fastest guy anyway. Uh, but then when he dealt with an, an ankle injury, um, that really limited him. And then you're throwing Akeel Jones in there, and uh, Akeel flashed, uh, you know, early in the season. I thought got a lot better at the end, uh, but. You know, with Nate not having to be that guy to hold everybody's hand again this year, um, does that really help? I, I agree with you. I think that um, maybe more than anybody else, it might help Nate that Tyson Summers is back. My wild card here is Marvin Ham. He came in as a pretty highly regarded guy, redshirted last year, and he's it looked like he's put on some good weight, and he looks like he might be ready. Uh, you mentioned Van Deest. Obviously, he's going to be in the mix there as well for for playing time. Yeah. I you know, Marvin Ham, I'm excited about. Uh, you know, he's obviously got some ability. I think Van Deest might be my wild card just because. Um, how does he come back from last year? You know, uh, it's got to be disappointing for him. He worked so hard to finally get that starting role. He gets it, and then you know had the ankle injury and really um, just you know got beat out by Akeel Jones. Uh, you know, I'm curious to see how Van Deest responds to that. Does he get back in the mix? There's some talent there. There's a, a nose for the football there. Um, what kind of work is he doing to maybe better his speed uh, to get uh, you know more of a role, get into that role a little bit better than he was in the past? So I think he could be you know kind of a wild card there. Alec Pell is another guy. If we're allowed into some spring practices to watch, that I want to key in on because I loved him coming out of Cherry Creek. He goes from outside backer to inside backer, and I think he could be a guy that that could find his way into significant playing time here in the coming years. Yeah, I, I like his ability as well, and you know I love his attitude as well. From the times I've talked to him, that's a kid that uh, could make an impact. Another one, uh, local recruit. Uh, you know, from a couple of years ago, Ray Robinson, is he a factor at inside linebacker? We've seen him start at safety, go to inside linebacker, 
We haven't seen him on the field a whole lot, but he's been on special teams, which I think is a good role for him. Um, Every time I bump into him at campus, man, he looks the part. Um, Does he get into that that role a little bit? I I think it might be hard for him to push for uh, you know a starting job or any kind of role at inside linebacker. But you know, is is he working hard and getting to that point to where he can push for that? Chase Newman, probably special teams guy. Quinn Perry, who knows, another yeah. year in the system. He definitely has the, the size and that, that uh, rugby background where he's a very physical guy. Yeah. Um, Quinn was one that I, I thought last year might have uh, been had an impact there. But uh, he had a, an injury issue or a health issue uh, last year that kind of limited him a little bit. But um, I still think, you know, I think right now the top two are Nate Lamb and Akil Jones. I would probably say that number three is between Van Dees and Ham at this point. And then you really don't see much more than three or four guys get on the field. Cornerback is interesting, not only from the fact that they now have four guys that have packed 12 starting experience, but which of these guys are going to move to safety? Because some of them are going to have to move. You yeah. can't go into a season with three scholarship safeties. There's no way. Yeah. You can't and, even exit spring ball that way. Right. And, you know, Coach Tucker, before he left, told me that some of these guys are listed as corner. We'll be moving to safety. That it's not going to change under Darrell because you're right. You can't <laughs> you can't just go into the season with I don't even know how many corners they have, but only three safeties. So um, nine scholarship corners. If if well, they will have when Chris, Christian Gonzalez gets on campus. Yeah. So you, certainly some of those guys are going to have to move to safety. Um, cornerback. You know, Chris Miller is one that I've been excited about for a long time. We talked. Was it was it last year that we were talking about his his uh, improvement? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, from it was. I think it was two years ago that we just saw him kind of getting. Lavisca just completely owned him, owned him, yeah. and then Chris Miller was starting to win some of those battles last yes. spring. And last spring and last fall, he started off pretty well, and then gets another injury. He's just been so hit by the injury bug. I mean, uh, you know, he had the shoulder injury last spring. He had uh, what was it, a hamstring last year, and then he. Uh, I don't even remember what was the injury that uh, took him out for the season. He's had so many of them. I can't remember all of his <laughs> It's injuries. hard to keep track of them. It is. But, um, you know, I bumped into him, um, I think it was the day of Darrell's uh, introductory press conference, so a couple of weeks ago, uh, saw him and asked how he was doing. And uh, he said he was feeling great and really excited for spring. And he looked, you know, I talked about Tyler Lytle earlier. He looks like a man now. Chris Miller looks more like a college football player. He looked like a high school kid, you know, when I've seen him in the past. He looks more like a college football player now. If he's healthy – I still think he could be their best corner. K.J. Trujillo got quite a bit better last year, too. And I would imagine it's going to be hard to beat him out for a starting gig. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's another one that we talked about some of these guys that plays as true freshmen that uh, you know learned a lot from that experience. I think he's one that's just going to get better from it. Now, he's a little guy, uh, but I think that he learned a lot from that experience. I think he's going to get better. If I had to project right now, based if they're healthy – the starting corners, I might go Miller and then Trujillo. Okay. And Makai Blackman was kind of a magnet to the football during camp last year. Yeah. He got hurt, was able to redshirt because he didn't play uh, in more than four games. So uh, he's a guy that it brings a lot of competitiveness with him. He's super skinny too, but he when, when you have a guy that can get his hands on the football and turn the ball over, as long as he can make another step and stay healthy, it's going to be hard to keep him off the field too. Yeah, that's another one that um, you know we're talking about guys with experience here, which is which is a good thing because there was so much of last year of guys not having experience. So um, health is such a key. But if 
he's another one that if he's healthy, he's going to help this team. Uh, Nigel Bethel is one that uh, you know comes in. I'm curious to see him. Um, you know, as, I know you're going to ask about wild cards. I guess I'm jumping the gun here, but he might be a wild card. I think for he's me. the guy. Yeah, um, is you know he went to the he came from Miami, so clearly the Hurricanes thought he was a talented player. How good is he? Um, he's a wild card for me. Uh, you know, if, if he's ready to make that jump and become a starter for, for this team, I think I'm looking forward to seeing him in the spring. We haven't mentioned Jalen Stryker here. I think he's got to play safety. He's got yeah. I think he's listed at 195, six three. I don't think they have a choice. I think he's going to have to go to the back end. Yeah, I, I, I probably agree with you there. Um, he's got some you know, JC experience, and he's a guy that can come in that maybe hold people's hand a little bit, kind of direct traffic a little bit back there. Um, I'm interested to see him as well. Another one we haven't mentioned is Tariq Luckett. You know, that, he's probably big enough too. I mean, not ideal size for a safety. Yeah, but he would be at least big enough to be another body back there. Yeah. Do you think he? Do you think that's more of a safety or a corner for him? Because he was coming out as a corner last year. I like him at corner, but again, you need more guys at safety. You're going to yeah. have to figure – and there's like a Trujillo, a Blackman. Those guys can't do it. I don't. Yeah. I, Miller, I don't think you'd want to put him back there either. Um, so Especially with Miller's injury history, you don't want him – safety is more of a contact position. Yeah. You probably don't want him – you probably want to avoid more contact with him. But When Dylan Thomas came in, he was so skinny when he – you look at him sideways, he almost disappeared. Yeah. But he put on some good weight, made that transition to cornerback. Again, not ideal, but he's 6'3". He's got more length. He can kind of roam around back there more. I wouldn't be shocked if he moves as well. He even practiced a little bit at star, I think, last year. Yeah, um, and that's another thing. I'm, I'm curious to see with the summer's defense, does he keep that star position? I imagine there will be some sort of hybrid-type role there. Um, you know, Does Mark Perry fit in that? Does Mark Perry go to safety? Uh-huh. Which again makes you alarmed at the numbers because if you have a star on the field and two safeties, that's three guys right there. <laughs> right. Uh, which does that star become more? I mean, Makai Blackman was playing that star a little bit last year as well. So does that star become more of kind of a third corner, like a, a nickelback type of role? Um, you know, that's what Tucker used a lot at Georgia. It was sort of that nickelback type. Davion was just such a, Davion Taylor was just such a different athlete. That we, that I think CU fans and you know maybe you and I might associate Star with that bigger type mm-hmm. of guy. I think that was more because of Davion more than what Tucker wanted to do. Uh, moving to safety talk here, Darian Rakestraw made another jump last mm-hmm. year. It's kind of his progress has been pretty linear, and now you feel really good about him as a starter back there. Yeah, certainly uh, coming into last year, you kind of. You kind of worried about him uh, just because he didn't uh, – he struggled a little bit in 2018. But last year I thought he really came on, got a lot better. I thought he was one of the more improved defenders from, from game one to game 12. Um, so I feel pretty good about him being back there as a starting safety. I agree with you. You already talked a little bit about Mark Perry. Uh, he's just so good rushing the passer late in the season. He seemed like he's he's made for that type of role. Yeah, I, I love Mark Perry. I think, that, I think that's got the potential to be – an all-conference type of player there. Um, just seeing some of the things we're seeing out of the weight room, I think he's going. I think I think he's got potential. I don't know if it's this year he blows up or if it's next year, but I certainly think he'll be better and a, a better player for this defense this year. In terms of wild card, you're almost running out of names here. Isaiah <laughs> Lewis, maybe right. he's a guy that's often in position, just can't quite close and make that play. Yeah. Um, you're right. I mean, there's there's really not a whole lot of other options. Uh, um, you, you've got to put him there. Um, I will say 
the one thing about Lewis is, you know, he does have experience. He's a junior now. Um, he's been learning the system. He's been learning this defense. And so um, I think with a lot of guys, we see it in college. I think when, when guys play early, you like to kind of label them as that's what they are. But guys actually get better. And I think that, if, that he's one that if he continues getting better, he can become a factor here and, and provide some good depth of safety. Torn Pittman will come in this summer, so we'll see what how he factors in. Special teams, James Stefano, uh, senior. Just with him, it's all about being healthy because when he's yep. been healthy, he's been really good. But Evan Price, I mean, he stepped up last year. Yeah, I mean, I think you feel good about field goal, field goal kicking at this point. Uh, you know, you and I both love James. Uh, you know, one of the best guys on the team. Um, you know, became a father uh, recently, so congratulations to him. But I hope he stays healthy, and I think. That when he's healthy, I think he's one of the better kickers in the Pac-12. I think that, that uh, you know, I was chatting with Matt Thompson, uh, the former mm-hmm. uh, kicker coach for the Buffs. Uh, we were talking about James, and he said, "Look, when he's healthy, he does not miss." And and that, you look at his history, and that's true. Uh, when when he's healthy, it's it's pretty much right down the middle. So you hope he can stay healthy because if he is, I think he's a potential you know all conference type of kicker. But you know, Evan Price came in and did a pretty good job last year, so you got to feel good about that position. Josh Watts comes in comes in as a transfer at punter from Pro Kick Australia. We'll see you on him, and, and I mean, he's pretty much guaranteed the job unless something happens between now and the start of the season. Long snapper, you know, JT Bale was was really good in that role. Right. Do you want to break down this competition between James Townsend and Derek Bettle Jr.? And then you've got Travis Drosos set to join the mix this summer. Break it down for us, Brian. I don't want to spend a lot of time breaking this one down. Um, I really don't know their ability as long snappers because we've all we've seen is uh, JT Bale for the last four years. Well, we've seen uh, Derek Bedell come outside the gates in, in Shag. Uh, errant field goals he does a good job at that um that was his his role last year um you know during fall camp and uh you know i, I don't know what his long snapping snapping skills are um but you know that's a position that uh i think cu's only had three long snappers in the last 10 years because usually you get so that they've had more head coaches than long snappers yes they have <laughs> <laughs> they've had more head coaches in the last 15 months than uh, than long snappers but um i think they i don't remember the names was it Ryan Iverson for mm-hmm. four years? And then there was a, a guy who, who was two years in between Iverson and, and, uh, and Bale. But uh, I think they've only had three long snappers in the last ten years. So whoever this is, it's going to be the guy for a long time. Awesome. Well, that's uh, enough of a breakdown. And we'll see how things change from – kind of our discussion today as we there's going to be some position switches again there's going to be some guys moving to safety and stay away coronavirus i want to see some football (laughs) that's right as we started this though did learn that it sounds like cu is going to be doing uh online classes the rest of the semester so it is going to be interesting to see you know on a serious note you know kind of how you know this outbreak impacts spring ball whether you know we were talking before we started is CU going to cancel it? There's been so many things canceled. That would be such a detriment to see if they did have to cancel it. But does that impact whether we can even watch it, whether we can be around these guys, You know, what kind of coverage we can provide? I have no idea. Brian, uh, it was fun catching up and uh, looking forward to covering spring ball with you. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully we can and uh, looking forward to it.